Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ is concluding a sermon series, Why, with a message called, Why Not Overcome? God's desire for all believers is that we all overcome and not be overcome. Let's listen in as Pastor CJ encourages us to stand strong in our faith, God's word, and God's strength. Are you ready to stand firm? We hope you enjoy this message. Be involved in that. Bring your kids. It's going to be an awesome time. Take out your sermon notes. I'm going to jump into the Word. This morning, I was so excited this morning at the altar call, uh, and I will tell you that because of this message, just, I'm so excited about this message that God put on my heart. This will be the end of our Why series, and we'll start into uh, next week, Daddy, Do You Trust Me? And then in the summertime, for those that are wondering, uh, we don't do series in the summer because a lot of people hit and miss during the summer, and I understand family reunions, graduations we just had, and you know vacations and so on. So in the summertime, we don't do a lot of series. But once we get back into September and school starts again, then you'll see me begin to do series again. So we're going to have a lot of different topics so that you know during the summer we'll talk on topics, different things that we maybe go through or whatever in in the church. And so we'll talk about that through the the next few uh, months. But today we're ending the Y series. And last week it was kind of funny because last Sunday after I preached my sermon, Why Am I So Tired, Sunday morning, we came Sunday night to Miracle Sunday. And I want you to hear how funny this was. So last week, my sermon title was, Why Am I So Tired? So after Sunday morning, we come to Miracle Sunday, a gentleman came out to me and said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. She said, we came to church Sunday morning, referring to last Sunday, we came to church Sunday morning, and my wife, as soon as she sat down, she said to me, she said, honey, why am I so tired? And all of a sudden, she opened her bulletin, and inside, of course, the bulletin, there's the sermon notes, the title, Why Am I so tired? He said, deja vu, right? Boom. And I was able to minister to that. Today, I want to talk to you about why not overcome. How many of you know that God doesn't want you to be overcome, but he wants you to be the overcomer? That we are supposed to be overcomers. That God said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But the problem is a lot of times what happens is we are overcome instead of being overcomers. And we don't utilize what God has given to us. He's given the resources for us to be able to be overcomers. But last week we talked about the three-course meal. And just kind of for those that weren't here last week, we talked about when you come to three-course meals, about when you're tired, you come. Number one, you come and you will find rest. Why am I so tired? God wants us to come and find rest in him. They that wait upon the Lord, you'll renew your strength and you'll mount up as wings as eagles. They'll cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will come and give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Then he also says, come and dine and eat. Now, not only will you rest, but he'll also restore you, replenish you, he'll physically touch you, uh, nourish you with his physical food, which is spiritual food that he'll strengthen you. And then to wash it all down, he said, come and drink. John 7, he says, streams of living water will flow from within you. And if you ever notice a stream, it's always going down current and it's wiping out the old and bringing in the new. And so God said, I want to bring new in your life. I want to refresh you. So why am I so tired? And when you come, here's what God's going to do. But today I want to talk about overcoming. If you have your sermon notes, it says on there, God's desire for all believers that we all overcomers, that we're all overcomers, and not to be 
overcome. How many know that that's God's desire? That God wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be victorious. That's why in John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says two things there. There's point A of that verse. The devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy. That's point A of verse 10 of John 10. That's his whole mission, to kill, rob, and destroy. That God says that's what he's coming to do. How many of you know that he loves to steal from you? He wants to destroy you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to overcome you. But Jesus said, point B of that same verse, but I've come to give you life in life more abundantly. And how many of you know that in order to have life in life more abundantly, you have to be an overcomer. You have to overcome the obstacles, the problems, the situations, or struggles that you face in life. So in order to be an overcomer, you got to realize that your strength doesn't come from yourself, but it comes from the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul, he's talking to the church there in Ephesus. And I love this verse of scripture because it sets you up. All through Ephesians, it's a great book. If you've never read Ephesians, I encourage you to read it. Especially starting out in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about that we've been adopted. We are his royal priesthood. We are sons and daughters of the king. He said we lack no spiritual blessings in Ephesians 1.3. That God says we lack no spiritual blessings. So he kind of sets you all up. So then after he gives you all these encouraging words and says who we are, in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, he says these words. He says, finally... After getting all the instructions, after heeding to the word of God, understand that you are in sonship with the Lord, understanding that you lack nothing, understanding that God has given you all things to equip you, to prepare you, to set you up for battle, to set you up to win. He says, finally. And the reason why God says, finally, he wants to bring back to your remembrance, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In other words, apply that which I've given to you. You see, you can have all the guns in the world, and many of you have many probably safes, and you're full of guns and so on, but you know what? You can have all the guns in the world, but you know what? If you don't use that gun, you don't put a bullet or a shell in that gun, you don't pull the trigger in that gun, you will never know how that gun operates. It could be in your safe. It could be dormant. It could be collecting rust if you don't put the gun oil on it. It could be getting all lint on it or dust on it and corrosion on it. Because why? It's dormanted. And what happens, what God is saying, he said, I've given you everything that you need. I've given you, supplied you. I've given you all these resources. But now, finally, it's up to you to utilize those things of what I gave you. Amen? How many of you are anything like my wife? If we don't use things within a year, if we don't use something in our house within a year, guess what? It's gone. You are gone, right? It's gone because my wife said, listen, if we're not using it within a year, then you lose it. And so what happens is God is saying, listen, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So what Paul is saying, you got to be strong in the Lord and not on your own strength. If you have a note, Paul is saying to be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord and his power of his boundless resource. In other words, be strong in what God has given you. How many of you know that our resources, our strength, our ability, our talents is going to run out? Amen? I had this happen to me on Friday. Man, I was telling you, I had a busy day Friday. Cheryl and I got up early, early in the morning, and Aaron and Garrett got married, and we uh, uh, chose to go and pick their food up early in the morning in the, in the city. 
So we had to go to the city to two different Chipotle's in the city. So we, we went to the city, man, and we, we, we got early in the morning, got out of our trailer and hooked up our trailer, went to the cities at 7 o'clock in the morning, wanted to make sure that we were on time to pick up this food. And we got to the Chipotle's, the first one, and, man, it was great. And, man, they loaded us up. And that we have a church trailer, and it's 8 by 12. And I mean to tell you, that thing was packed from the floor to the ceiling of this trailer. It was unbelievable, full of food. We got to the Chipotle's. And they loaded us up. Went to the second Chipotle's, and man, we're on the clock. We're like, doom, 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 right? And they were taking their time. They were 45 minutes late and getting us the food. So we're waiting there for the food, and we're panicking. Like, man, we're never going to be able to get the food on time. After all, I'm the UPS man. I'm the express man. I'm going to, man, be the bad guy of the wedding because I'm not getting the food on time, and I'm stressing. So we finally get the food, and we get it off, and we get there on time. Man, I got to watch even the wedding, seeing the ceremony, and then we unloaded the food, and we got there on time. I felt like saved by the bell. But then, you know what? We turned right around, and what happened for those who went to the wedding, the reason why I didn't stay at the wedding, what you didn't know, I had a change of clothes with me, thank goodness, because what happened when we were loading the boxes in the trailer, one of the things spilled on me, went all the way down, and what you couldn't see is I had guacamole underneath my shirt, amen. And so I didn't want to be smelling like, you know, that thing, so I had to go home and shower, right? And so anyways, but we, we, we left there, left the wedding, unloaded the food, then we had to go drive back into the cities for my grandson's one-year-old birthday. So we went to the cities, came back from the cities, went back to the city. My point is this, is that, man, by the end of that Friday night, guess what? I was absolutely exhausted. And when my head hit the pillow, guess what I did? I immediately fell off to sleep. Yeah, my wife, I sound like a lumberjack, right? And the point is this, is that God says, listen, some of you are running on your own strength and your own ability, and it will only go so far. And it's what's happening is you are wondering why you're being overcome and you're not an overcomer is because your own strength, your own power, your own ability, your own talent, your charisma is running on empty. And when you start running on empty and the gauge says E, that means it's empty. And what happens, you're not going anywhere. But God says, finally be strong in the power of my might, my strength, not of your own strength. You see, I love Paul is saying throughout Scripture to be strong, to be powerful and the powerful and his resources. And if, uh, Joshua, I love what he says in Joshua. All through Scripture, it talks about being strong. Notice what he says in Joshua 1, verse 6. Be strong. Notice what he said. He's encouraging Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had three kids, and my kids are exactly three years apart. My oldest and my youngest are the same birthday. So when I say my kids are exactly three years apart, they are exactly three years apart, and CJ's in between. But having three kids sometimes is like hurting cats. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of energy to raise kids. It takes a lot of energy to have a spouse. Amen. Somebody say amen. You're saying my wife, my husband. Amen. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? And what God is saying to Joshua, he's saying, listen, I'm putting you in charge of an army. I'm putting you in charge of these people. And you, I want to encourage you to be strong because you're going to wear out. And these people are going to come with their opinions. They're going to come with all their questions and all their needs. But he said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now watch this. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. 
So in other words, what he's saying, Joshua, don't be on your own strength, your own ability, but be strong in the Lord. Then he goes on to say, be strong, and then watch how he emphasizes again. He doesn't stop about being just strong. He says in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. In other words, he's intensifying the call to be strong and courageous. He's intensifying the reminder that, hey, be strong and very courageous in me. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not of myself. Then he goes on to say, be, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So in other words, listen to what he says, to be strong and courageous, but to obey. How many of you know that to obey is better than the sacrifices? Disobedience brings curses. Obedience brings blessings. Read Deuteronomy 28. So he's saying, listen, now you be obedient. Be obedient to what? Verse 8 tells you what to be obedient to. Now watch what he says. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. He says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. So what he's saying, he says, be strong and courageous and be obedient to the word of God. Follow through with what I'm saying to you, what I'm instructing you to do. If you will follow through with these things and follow without the directions and not be us men who don't have to look at the directions when we buy something and then when we put it all together, the doors are crooked and things are not lined up right and we have to take it all apart and then finally, then we're going to look at the directions. What he's saying, he says, listen, if you would be strong and courageous and obedient and follow through with what I ask you to do, then you will be prosperous and successful. And we wonder why we're maybe having dead ends in our lives. Maybe we're having shortfalls in our lives. And maybe we're having being overcome instead of being an overcomer. Maybe, just maybe, you're relying on your own strength. You're not being courageous. And you're not being obedient. And so, therefore, you're forfeiting the blessings what God really has for you. He says, but if you do that, you will be prosperous and successful. I love what it says in First Chronicles 30, uh, 28, 20. He says this, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong, get the theme, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God, my God is with you. Now watch what he said. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. So in other words, he's reminding him again, Solomon, he said, David said to Solomon, be strong and courageous. So what he's saying, he says, be strong and courageous. And then he reminds him that, hey, listen, if you're strong and courageous, God is going to be with you. That's why he says in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he will never leave you nor forsake you, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, verse 8, that I am the same God. And if I'm the same God in the Old Testament, am I not the same God in the New Testament? And are we not living in the New Testament realm today that God says, listen, I did it back then, I can do it now. But you have to be strong and courageous and read the word and be obedient to me and not only be obedient to me, but don't be afraid 
Trust me, right? And then that says in 2 Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.1, look at what he says this. You then, my son. When it says my son there, you should put your name there. If you see my Bible, right where it says my son, it says CJ. He's talking about men and women. He's not just being singling us out. Everyone, my son, my daughter. Now watch what he says. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the grace, what does that mean? In the grace, his grace means so many different meanings. It means strength. It means refreshing. It means power. It means blessings. It means anointing. You can label the grace so many different titles. So he says, be strong in the grace or in God's strength that he wants to give to you. So if you rely on Christ and his strength, you will become an overcomer. You will become an overcomer. As you can see, God encourages us to be strong and in good courage because he is with us. So what are some of the signs of being strong? How do you know that I'm being strong? You have this on your sermon notes. Signs of being strong is this. Number one, strong in your faith. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what God wants you to do, he wants you to be strong in your faith. Even though you may feel like you're being capsized, maybe feel like you're being overcome, God said, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith. Don't let it go. Hold on to it. No matter what comes your way, hold on to your faith. Wasn't it as a mustard seed that God used as a, as a, as a, a parable to show us that, hey, I can take the smallest little seed and turn this little seed into a branches and even trees that the birds can perch on its branches? Wasn't it Elijah that said to the man or to the little boy when it was a drought and there was a phantom in the land? Wasn't it Elijah said, go and go face yourself in the east. Tell me if there's a cloud in the sky. And the little boy, wasn't it him that went several times? The Bible says he went seven times, and he faced and looked into the sky, and he come back to Elijah and said, no, there's no cloud in the sky. Elijah said, go again. The seventh time, he probably could have got discouraged. Even the third time, he probably could have got discouraged. Even the fourth time, but he kept going. He kept being obedient, even though he didn't see it. But that's what faith is. Faith is a substance of things unseen, but things hoped for. You may not see it right now, but it's not a time to give up when you don't see it. It's a time to press in. You call those things as though they were. You don't go on your feelings. You go on your faith, because feelings will go away, but faith will stand forever. God knows. No matter what comes my way, God, I'm going to stand strong in my faith. And so what happened with the little boy? When the little boy came back the seventh time, he came back to Elijah. He said, Elijah, Elijah. Now, this guy, I believe, had better sight than 2020 to be able to see this. He said, I see a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand. I see it. Can you imagine seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand? He had pretty good eyesight. But you know what? God can take your little and make it much. And maybe you're on the fringe of your faith and you feel like you're ready to quit and everything seems to be crumbling underneath you and I have a little bit of faith, but that's what God wants. He don't want you to come to him full. He wants you to come to him empty. And when you come to God empty-handed, that's when God will fill you up. And so what he says, listen, he said, I see a cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. And what did he do? Elijah said, okay, keep praying, keep believing. And the boy could have probably thought, well, what's this little cloud going to do? Man, that's not going to bring much rain. It's so small. It's not going to do nothing. It's Man, he could have complained. He could have murmured. But you know what he did instead? He knew his God. 
Our God, you got to get this, our God doesn't work in the business of addition. Our God works in the business of multiplication. God can take your little and make it much. And what happened with that little cloud became a huge cloud that there was a monsoon. That it, what, it rained, and what happened? Everything was replenished. And what happens is God says, listen, no matter what you are right now, one of the signs of standing strong is holding on to your faith, even though you don't feel it, because feelings will go away. Feelings will go away. They'll come today, and they'll be gone tomorrow. Man, when you get a new gift, man, Britt just had, had, uh, had her graduation, and man, I, we, it was fun watching her, but you know what? It was exciting. And man, she got all those cards, and she got all those things, but you know what? Now life moves on. And she's going to remember that day, but I wish you could always have that feeling of graduation day, all those cards, all the money, right? Feelings come. Another one, be strong. Be strong in your belief in him, that God, I believe you, God. I believe. You see where the enemy wants to do? He wants to whittle away at your belief system. He wants to come and you at your belief system. He wants to make you walk in doubt. He wants to walk in confusion. But that's why the Bible says God is not an author of confusion, but a God of peace. He wants to come and confuse you. He wants to make you waver. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what he wants you to do, he wants you to question. Yeah, God loves me. No, God don't love me. Yeah, God loves me. No, he don't love me. So we waver and we teeter-totter back and forth. And God doesn't want us to waver or teeter-totter back and forth. Uh, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so you wonder why maybe you're overcome. Maybe your belief system needs to get corrected. Another one is this, strong in his word, strong in the word of God. You see, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass. When Jesus, if you read it in Matthew chapter 4, Luke 4, John 4, uh, all these chapters in the Bible, it talks about Jesus when he was tempted by the enemy. And many of you know the story. Four times he was tempted. And how did he overcome the temptations of the enemy? He said, it is written. It is written written. When the enemy tried to tempt Jesus when he was at his weak, frail time of his life, when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, what is the first thing he did? He tried to attack him physically. And what did he say? I will give you all the food that you can even fathom or imagine. But Jesus said, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. He said he overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, revelations, that they overcame them. So the thing is, how you stand is by the word, the word of God that has to be in you. Thy word have I hidden in thy heart that I might not sin against God. Why is the Bible the number one selling book? But it's also the least read book. We buy books. We got 20 Bibles in our, church, in our house, but it's the number one least read book. It's not there just to impress people when they come into your house and see 20 Bibles, it's there that you read it and apply it and use it for your life. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, listen, strong in his strength and not your own. That God wants you to be strong in his strength and not your own. You see, throughout scripture, there are over 30 occasions that God commands someone or us to be strong. Over 30 occasions that God commands us to be strong to be strong, to be overcomers. You see, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks there about getting ready. And reading Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 11 in these chapters here, you would think that Paul is referring to us to get ready for battle. 
to get ready for battle, to suit up, to get ready for battle, to, man, to, to take on the wiles of the enemy. But there are four key words in these verses of Scripture that I want to point out to you that God was speaking to us about. He says, to put on the full armor of God. When I was pastor in Oklahoma City, we had 37 people on staff with Pastor Dryden. I was the youth pastor at the time. And every Monday, all of us 37 people on staff would get together in this big circle. And it was so cool. It was really cool. Pastor Dryden would lead us in putting on the full armor of God. And we would go through the motions, shod in our feet, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, all these things, the sword of the spirit. And we would act like we were getting dressed every morning. And guess what it did? It made us feel confident throughout the day that now I'm not fighting naked. I'm fighting with the full armor of God. I'm fighting and I'm prepared for the onslaughts of the enemy. Why the shield of faith? Have you ever noticed about the shield of faith? If you study the shield of faith, what happened was the night before battle, on the shield of faith, there was a two-inch thick leather that they put on that shield. And so what they would do, they would soak that leather in water all night long. So that leather became like a sponge, the shield of faith. You can read it for yourself. Study it about the shield of faith. So what happened was, after they get ready for battle, they would pull out that leather from the water. They would apply it to the shield. And so when the fiery darts came and hit the shield, guess what it would do? That's why it talks about it will extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And so he, what he says, when you put on the or take up the shield of faith, it would hit the shield, it would get into the leather. Shoo, it will extinguish the fiery darts. So what God is saying, get ready. But now watch this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your, everybody say stand. Stand. Now watch that word against the devil's schemes. Uh, know what he said? That you can take a stand. It didn't say to fight, does it? It didn't say to fight. It said take your stand. Take your stand. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now watch what it says in verse 13. Now, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it's going to come, everybody knows it's going to not... Hey, it's going to come. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised. The enemy never tires. He's like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour. And he's going to come. He's going to attack. But here's the great thing. You're going to be ready for the attacks. And here's what he says. That when the day of evil comes, you will be able to, everybody say it, stand. stand. Didn't say fight, but stand. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to Stand. In other words, stand. Stand firm. Stand strong in the faith of God. Don't let anything move you. Don't be shaken by what you hear, see, or even experience. Don't be shook by that. Don't allow the enemy to shake you off your foundation because your foundation is the word of God. Your foundation is your faith. And if you lose your foundation, your house is going to crumble. And you are the temple of God. And God doesn't want the temple to crumble. But if you get shook by all these things and allow wrong voices to make wrong choices. And if you're always pulled to the right or to the left, it's going to move you off your foundation. And God said, you have to stand. And then look what he says in verse 14. What is the first word that starts out there? Everybody say it. Stand firm. Then you will, with the belt plate of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So in other words, what he's saying is stand. Have you ever noticed a palm tree? 
Why is it that you can see California or Florida or wherever hurricanes come? You ever notice the houses are destroyed? But what is always standing? Palm trees. Do you know why that is? I did a research on palm trees. And you ever notice why palm trees stand? Because palm trees have a mechanism in them that whenever they're under pressure, whenever they're forced into a storm, they bend so far. And once they bend to a certain point, something inside them, there's a mechanism inside them that triggers them that, wait, storm, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson. And so then what happens is it instinctively tells itself, take your roots deeper. Study it yourself. So whenever the palm tree is under pressure, under a storm, what does it do? It bends so far, and all of a sudden says, wait a minute. I've been built for storms, and it takes its roots deeper. And what happens with us, what God is saying here through his word, when you go through the storms of your life, he says, listen, you don't have to fight, but you got to stand. Let your roots go deeper. Let your faith be stronger. Let your belief be stronger in me, and watch me do the battle. Because after all, don't I say in my word that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's? If God is for you, who can be against you? But if God can't be on your side, and if God's got taken the battle, don't you go and complain or cry to God when you lose the battle because God said, listen, you never let me in. When I was a kid, how many ever went to these? I went to the WWF wrestling matches. Have you ever been to one of those? Amen. Woo -woo. Amen. I went to one of those one time, only one time. And they came to Racine, where I grew up at, Racine, Wisconsin. And uh, it was so funny. But they would have a tag team matches. You know what I'm talking about? And they would have these tag team matches. And the guy, the first guy goes out there, and, man, he's getting beat up. Man, they're throwing them in the air, smashing them with chairs, man, breaking tables over their heads, all kinds of crazy stuff. But then he's got to get to the corner. He's got to get to the corner so that what? He can slap his hand so the other guy can come in to rescue him, Right? And so when he comes in, he's all vibrant, he's all fired up, he's all excited, and now the guy that's already been beating him up, he's kind of tired. So what does he do? The guy that comes in, he comes in, he starts beating the other guy up. So you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know what? You have God in your corner. All you have to do is reach out your hand and tag him. God is a gentleman. You got to get this. God is a gentleman. He'll never force himself into your situation. He's such a gentleman that he only comes by invitation. If you invite God into your situation, God will come. Dear Jesus, I need help in the midst of my storm. I feel like I'm going under, but God, with you, I'm going to go up. God, I feel like I'm going to be capsized, God. This wave is too big for me. I can't handle it. God, will you come? Listen. Don't wait. Got to get this, people. Don't wait until your mess is so messy that God just becomes a God of your rescue instead of God of your friend. Because what happens, we make God the God of our rescues. Rescue me, God, in the mess that I created. Rescue me, God, and help me in my situation. Because, God, I made a mess of things, and now I need you to come and rescue me. Remember that cartoon, Mighty Mouse? Here I come to save the day. I know I'm dating myself, but I remember that. 
I remember romper room. I hated romper room. And that lady, would take, he would take that. I see Andy. I see Rachel. They would never say CJ or Craig. I, I hate this program. I don't want to say that. Forget it. I turned the TV off. Mom, they didn't say my name today. But you know what? With God, he sees you. Everett, I see Janet. I see you. And not only does he see you, but he wants to be involved in your situation. He wants to get in board with you. He wants to join forces with you. God wants to be a part of that. You see? And then he goes on to say, he will put the breastplate of righteousness in place. Listen, you might look at these verses as a soldier who is suited up to fight. These verses, if you look more closely, it is a call to stand or call to fight. It is called the st- fight to stand. That God, I'm going to fight to stand. I'm not going to be moved. If you ever heard the verse that said, when you've done all you can, then what? Stand, stand, stand and watch God move. Four times in Ephesians, Apostle Paul uses the language of standing to describe how to apply the spiritual strength of our lives. The spiritual strength of our lives. Can I ask you, are you tired? Are you wore out? Maybe you're fighting a battle you shouldn't be in. Or maybe, just maybe, you haven't invited God in. Maybe... You want to invite God in when it's over your head. Because we are control freaks. I'm going to take care of this myself. You see, I I love this. And I wrote this down in my Bible. So I, I want to encourage you. This is what God told me to write down, so I did. The next to those verses that we just talked about in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 16, write this down. You should write, I am strong to stand. You are strong to stand. Say this with me. I am strong to stand. Come on, say it again. I am strong to stand. I am strong to stand in the battles of my life. I'm strong to stand in Christ. If God is for you, who can be against me? I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, right? Listen, we aren't in the, uh, if we, why aren't we command, we are not, we are commanded to fight because Christ by his death and resurrection had already defeated the enemy right? He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. So the victory has already been ours. We just have to rest and stand in God and watch him do the battle on our behalf, right? Uh, The other day, it was so funny, on Facebook, I was watching all the people that lived in Webster, all the people lived in Webster in the uh, Voyager Village, and maybe you were one of those people, your power went out. Yeah, I've seen it on Facebook. It was hilarious uh, watching those people. And, and I have my cabin out in Voyager Village, so I got to be honest with you. Man, I, I was wondering, man, my, my furnace is out. It's cold. And, but on Facebook, it was hilarious. You could see the temperature rising in some of these people on Facebook. Man, after five minutes, they're putting on, oh, the power's been out after five minutes. Oh, no. You can see, like, their temperature is rising, right? And then it got to be 10 minutes. Now they become paranoid Floyds. Man, they were just, man, freaking out. You can see it on their on their things on Facebook. Man, what about you? Man, is your, is your power back on? No, my power's out. And they were freaking. They were all worried about, oh, the power, my, my meat in my freezer's going to unthaw, and all these things that they were freaking about because there was a power outage. And you know what? With God, there's never a power outage. There's never a breakage in the line. There's never a transformer that goes out. He's always at the availability if we just ask him in. But the only power outage that we have is ourself and coming to him. That's where the power outage takes place, is that, God, I only need you when I'm in a rough situation. You are the emergency God. 
You are an ER God. And you come and rescue me from my mess. And if I'm not in a mess, God, it's okay. I don't need you. Don't make God your ER God or your rescue God. You see, why are you fighting the battle that the Lord has already won for you? He never has a power outage. The spiritual perspectives, we are not fighting for victory. Get this now. We are not fighting for victory, but fighting from victory, from the victory that God has already won. He's already won the victory for you. He's already gone before you. He's fought the battle. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Through Christ Jesus. He's won the battle for you. So you got to receive that. Say, God, I know that you've done. Listen, as we look back, we rest in Christ's victory over sin, Satan, and the death. Amen? As we look forward, we are faced with future knowing that God has already led us into victory. You say, what do you mean? Now, you should put this, these notes on your, on your refrigerator. Man, I walk into people's houses, you can always tell a person by the refrigerator. Amen? If they're on a diet, it says, don't open. Right? If they got grandkids, they're all over. If they just came back from vacation, it's all on it. Got every magnet from every state you went to, right? You can always tell. You should put this on your, your refrigerator, these notes. Why? Because Romans chapter 8, it talks about who we are. Look what he says. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, what God is saying is, listen, you stand. Don't let anything move me. I didn't call you to fight. I called you to stand. Stand and watch Stand and watch me do the work. What happened with Joshua and when they went before their end, they set up an ambush, and when they got to the place, what happened? They were already coming against each other, but Joshua was obedient, and he stood firm on God. He did what God called him to do. They were doing what? Jehoshaphat and all his army. You read the story yourself, and Elijah, when he was faced with all the army, the Amalekites and the Moites and all these things, and the old servant says, man, there's more of them there than us. And what Elijah said, nope. Man of God, he said, pray, close your eyes. And when he opened his eyes, there was more of them or more of us than there was of them. Sometimes we have to stand to just say, God, if you are for me who is against me, your word says that I'm more than a conqueror, and I'm going to stand and watch you take the battle from me. Another one is this. I love this verse. He says in Romans, and then he goes on to say, he says in the next verse, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, like this, I love this. He says, but thanks be to God. In other words, he's already thanking God ahead of time. How many of you know that when you're happy, you're going to sing a happy song? But when you're sad, you're going to sing the blues. What does thanks do? What he's doing there, Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, he's telling the church, be thankful, be grateful. Sometimes we look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. And what Paul is saying, he says, be thankful for what you do have. And you got God on your side. And if God and you are on the same team, you are a majority. No weapon formed against you are more than conquer. Why? Because God is on your side. So he says, be thankful to God. He gives us the victory. He gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That he gives you the victory. He goes on to 2 Corinthians 2.14. I love this. But thanks be to God. The same way. Thankful. God, I'm thankful. Sometimes we get into that think, uh, that stinking thinking mold, and we get into that stinking thinking mold, and we forget that, man, how good we really do have it. We get into all this, man, this pity party, and God says, no, you need to get refocused and be thankful for what you do have. God will never give you more if you can't be thankful for what you have now. Did you hear that? God could never give you more if you're not thankful for what you have now. Why would I want to give you a gift if you don't appreciate what I 
already gave you. I'm not going to want to give you another gift. You think so? God's the same way. And some of you, God's blessing you and blessing you, but maybe it's not the exact gift you want, or maybe it's not the way you want it. But God said, listen, I'm blessing you, but you're not being thankful, so why should I bless you more? Tell me, say amen. And God said, listen, be thankful. Who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possessions, possessions, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Didn't say sometimes He wins the battle. Didn't say, man, maybe you're going to win the battle. Always. But He didn't say that when we're in the battle that we're not going to be wounded. He didn't say that we're not going to be wounded. Because in every battle, it just comes out wounds and scars and things. But you take your scars and you turn them into stars. You don't waddle in your scars. You don't waddle in your, your, your pains. Because we're all going to have scars. We're all going to have little nicks and bruises from the battle. But we continue to press on. And we say, God, you're going to lead me through this. How many of you have ever said this before? I'm doomed. I'm never going to make it. I think we all said that one way or the other. Amen? Here's the great thing. You're here today. Guess what? You made it. Give yourself a hand. Come on. You made it. When you thought you weren't going to make it, you made it, right? You made it. Listen, victory comes as we learn to stand and rest or trust, believe, and wait on God for his strength. That God, I'm going to trust I'm going to believe, and I'm going to wait on God. Listen, 1 Corinthians 16, verse uh, 17, uh, verse 13. I love this. Be on your guard. In other words, be alert. Ephesians 6, verse 18 tells us to be alert and pray on all occasions. So it tells us to be alert, be prepared, be on guard. In other words, be ready, be on guard. What does a guard do? He watches. He's always alert. He's attentive to what's going on around him. He says, then what? Stand Firm. Don't be surprised. That's why it says in 1 Peter 4.12, he said, don't be surprised by the attacks that you might be going under. Don't be surprised by them. Don't be caught off guard. But he said, not only be caught off guard, but in the the attacks and in the things that are going to come your way, stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Don't be moved by that. How many of you know that the enemy is a good intimidator? You notice what he said? He's like a lion roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. He loves to intimidate. And when he intimidates, what he does, he loves to intimidate your faith. He loves to intimidate your courage. He loves to intimidate your belief system. He's roaring. Didn't say he's biting. He's intimidating. And we give in to the intimidation so much of the enemy all the time. And the Lord said, just be still. You see, I love this. How do I stand then, Pastor CJ? How do I stand? I I took this terminology and I was asking my secretary, Mindy, because I'm not a computer guru. I am so far from computers. I got too many thumbs, right? So I don't even know a lot of the terminology. But when I was writing this sermon, no kidding, I was thinking of Pastor Andrew and Katie and others that know how to do computers. And I was thinking of them. And so I wrote down when I was writing this sermon about computers. And so after I wrote it, I went to Mindy. I said, Mindy, can you help me? What does it mean to download and all these things? And so Mindy was telling me and and says that, man, you download and you store data and you store memory and you download things. 
thing so you don't lose it. And she's giving me all these definitions and, and uh, things about downloading stuff. You put all this information on a, on a disc or a floppy disk or whatever else it is. And, and, and you do all this. Like I said, I don't know. But what God was saying to me is that we have to download things in our lives. In other words, to be able to bring them back up. And the first thing about this is download God's strength from his word. You have to download God's strength from his word. Listen to this. The more you download, the more memory you use to store his promises. Now get this. His promises and his truth for your battle. His promises and his truths for your battle. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word, it is written by the testimony, by the truths of his word. His promises are yes and amen. His word will never return void. It'll accomplish that which it said it will do. So he said, listen, you got to download the word in your heart. That's why David said, thy word have I hidden in thy heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. So in other words, when David was faced with temptation, when he was faced with battles, when he was faced with struggles, he was just like you and I, but what happened with David and how he overcame, he would go back to the resources of the computer that he had in his mind, his heart, his spirit, that he downloaded in him, and it was a reminder, listen, that God's word is true, it's yes and amen, it will not return void, and heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will stand forever, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard, and that standard is the word of God, it is written. Another one is this. Download God's strength from worship. People, man, I, I, I love it uh, when I come in. And today I came a little earlier, later, because I was up back in the foyer greeting some of the people from the first service. And it was so cool because uh, I love watching you worship. And I watch you. And here's what I love to watch. But some of you are like, will this music stop? Get it over with. I'm tired of standing. I'm never. And I understand and if you get tired, hey, any time, please understand this from your pastor. Any time you get tired, feel free to sit. There's no obligation. I don't want you to feel obligated. Maybe you have sore feet, sore knees, whatever. Maybe you're tired. Hey, however you worship, worship. The reason why we worship in the beginning is because you know why? Some of you come like a set of binoculars. You're out of focus. And if you take a set of binoculars and you try to focus in on something, especially when they're out of focus and you try to look at something, it's blurry and you can't see it clearly. So what does worship do? It gets you back into focus in the presence of God. It brings you back in the focus and the clarity of who your God is. You see, worship sets you up. As you see that worship fills your heart with the worthiness of God and uplifts your spirit. It sets you up to get you back in focus because some of you, you came in from work Monday through Friday, even maybe yesterday or maybe even early this morning, and you're out of focus. You're tired. You're exhausted. Man, and so what it does, it brings you back into focus and it uplifts your spirit. Uh, that's what God wants to do. And lastly is this, and I love this, is we download God's Strength by waiting. They that wait upon the Lord, he shall what? Renew their strength. My, my wife has all over our house, our house, our cabin, all over. She has her favorite verse. 
Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Waiting sometimes is the hardest thing to do. We were just in the line the other day for McDonald's, and I thought it was eternity, and really it was only three minutes. And I thought they burned my, my Egg McMuffin for my wife, which they did, and we had to wait in again because they did mess it up. But you know what? We were getting impatient. How many get impatient sometime with God? We get impatient. If you go to your gas station, you fill up your car, especially if you got a truck and it's on empty, it costs you 100 bucks To put $100 in your truck, it's going to take you 10 minutes. And sometimes we, we get so impatient with God. God said, just wait on me. Be still. Wait. And you can see the verses there, Psalms 27, verse 14, Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. But how do I wait? How do I wait on God as we close? The first thing you got to do is slow down. You got to slow down. When we lived in Colorado, my wife and I and my kids, we learned something about Colorado drivers, especially Michael semi-drivers. Semi-drivers, they would go too fast. And coming out of the Eisenhower Tunnel there in Grand Junction, going from Grand Junction to Denver or Denver to Grand Junction, if you've ever seen the Eisenhower Tunnel, it's uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. It's unbelievable. It's a tunnel right through the mountain. But as soon as you come out of that tunnel, you go right down a hill. I mean, it's a mountain, right? And it curves off drastically to the right. And right off to the right, they have a runaway truck stop. And it's a thing that the trucks, if they get out of control, that they can drive up on this thing and they can stop them. But anyways, we've learned something. That if we are behind the truck and if they're going to the right, guess what that means? That truck is going too fast. And many times they close the highway there. No kidding. They close the highway in I-70 because trucks get out of control. And what they do is they're so fast that they get them up on their side and eventually they turn. But we've learned something. So if a truck is going to the curve to the right, we're on the left. If a truck's going to the left, we're on the right. Because they're going too fast and out of control and they topple over. And that's a lot like us. Sometimes we're taking life too fast. And we're going around the curve too fast. And what's happening, we're toppling over. And God just says, slow down. Take a chill pill. Relax. Hey, Rome wasn't built overnight. Slow down. I'm here. Another way is this. Get quiet. You ever notice why God gave us two ears and one mouth? I want you just to be still. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And he wants us just to be still. My sheep heareth my voice and they follow after me. How can you hear the voice of the Lord if you're not just being still? You ever get around a person? They sound like a chainsaw. They just talk, 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 talk. You're like, you're wearing me out. And then you want to talk and they, they don't let you talk. Can you come up for air? Sometimes we do that with God. God just wants us to be quiet. Lastly is pray. God just wants us to pray. I always I came up with a song, you got to pray to make it today. Pray. You got to pray. That's why he says in Matthew 6, verse 6, when you pray, go into your secret place and shut the door. For your Father sees you what you do in secret. 
And you got to just pray. Pray to make it today. That God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. And if I do these things, I'm going to be an overcomer and not be an overcome. And I've seen many Christians that have frailties and they're getting beat up and they have bandages and they're limp Christians when we should be victorious. And how can you say you're a conqueror when you look like you've been conquered? And God don't want you to be that way. He wants you to stand. And he wants you to apply and to put into practice those things that you have learned. And that's why Paul even says in Philippians 4, verse 9, to apply or to put into practice these things in which you've learned. Don't just be hearers of the word, but you got to be doers of the word. Faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put feet under your faith and walk it out, walk it out, walk it out, what good is it? you got to apply it. Use it or you lose it. After a year in my house, it's gone. Boop, there it is. Gone. Right? Stand with me today, will you? Thank you for being here today. You could have chose to be outside on the lake, wherever else today, but you chose to be in church today. And I want to just say thank you. Thank you for being here today. I pray that God will bless you. But not only that, I feel in my heart today that maybe today you feel like, Pastor, I'm tired. This morning we had 21 people that came forward this morning, 21 in the first service that came forward and said, Pastor, I need prayer. So I want you to be honest with God today. I don't know why you come to church, but I come to church to have an encounter with God. I come to church to be refreshed and blessed and strengthened to help me through the next week. And then I come back on Wednesday, which they call hump day, to get over through the next three days, right? So today, we're here to encourage you, to sharpen you, to pray with you, to uplift your arms. Every time I see you, I have three motives. Three motives. Encourage you, challenge you, and to inspire you. I want to encourage you today. If you need to be prayed for, you need to amen, Pastor, I, I just need a touch of my body. I want you to step out. Come on. They're already stepping out. Come on. You say, Pastor, I need prayer. Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer, Pastor. I'm not going to hide it. This young lady here, first time in church today. She graduated from Siren High School. I told her she's a dragon. Amen. Max, right? Max, I got it right. What's up, girl? How you doing, fatty? Anyone else today? You say, Pastor, I need prayer. Come on, anyone else? I'm not going to linger longer at the altars because God is here already. He's here to meet your needs. He's here to touch you. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Receive mercy and help in your time of need this morning. Come on. Come on. Come boldly. Come confidently. Come assured today that you need prayer. Come on, stand right over here. And then here. Come on. Now, for you, I want you to come gather around these people. Come on. I need some prayer warriors. Come on. Come on. Troy, come on. Sheila, come on. Come on out of here. Come on, Dan, Pastor Jack. Come on. Come on, Becky. Come on. People that you feel compelled, come on. Why don't you come and stand by them? Daniel, come on. Come on, you guys. Come on, stand by them. They need some prayer. Come on. My sister Karen, good to see you today. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Don't be sheepish, people. I need some people up here to pray and be warriors. Come on. Come on. Stand with them. Come on, Scott. Come on, stand with them. Come on. Come on. Come and stand with them today. 
we got to stand in the gap with these people today. And Carl and, and Gail, come on up here. Come on. We need people to pray. Come and pray with these new couple right here, right here, Carl and Gail. I'm going to put a great man on you right away. Come on. We're going to believe today. Brian, come, come on over here. Pray with these guys over here. Come on. We're going to believe today. We're going to believe today. Right here. Right here, Carl and Gail. Right here. Come on. God is good. God is good. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Father, I pray in Jesus' name for whatever one of these individuals here right now. I thank you that great is your faithfulness, that morning by morning new mercies we find in you. All that we have need of thy hand has provided. And I pray that, Father, right now that you will touch them right where they're at. Whether they're going through financial, physical, emotional, spiritual situations, God, you're greater than all that they face. You are mightier than all the things that they're going through. Lord, you never left them nor forsake them. Your battle is yours and not theirs. As they stand right now, as they stand right now, now, I pray that you give them the strength and the faith to hold on. Even though it seems like it's out of control, God, you're bringing it back into focus. You're bringing it back into purpose. You're bringing it back into meaning right now. I pray that you restore the hope, restore the years that the locusts have been stealing right now in Jesus' name. We draw a line in the sand and we say enough is enough in Jesus' name right now. Enough is enough right now. We thank you that great is your faithfulness, that, Lord, you're meeting your applying your blessing each and every one of these individuals we give you praise no weapon no obstacle no mountain can roar and stop us any longer because we are bigger through Christ Jesus we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory for it's in your name we pray and believe in Jesus name amen and amen now come on give the Lord praise this morning amen amen God is good. Thank you for being here today. God bless you today. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.